What's up? What's going on? And welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here for episode 71. Thanks to our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And thanks to my co-host, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio, for joining once again. Dom, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing uh, very well. I uh, I have some late night coffee with me for, for some reason. Oh, boy. And, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those days. And um, yeah, I, I I just finished watching some some various random soccer. Just I guess to get myself back into the zone for this, uh, the first half of the the first leg of the Concacaf League final was today, and okay. just watched uh, Boca win the uh, or yeah win the uh, Copa Argentina, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm good. I'm good. How how late do you plan on staying up tonight, Dom? It's eight thirty. Uh, full disclosure: we're recording at eight thirty-seven p.m. right now, and you're drinking coffee. Yeah, I, w- without going into too much detail, for for um, carpooling purposes, I need to be available at midnight. So, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So, all right, all right. Well, hey, going to be a long one, Jeremy. <laughs> hey, I I get it now. I fully understand now. I am I was questioning the decision before, but now I am very much in approval of the decision. So, excellent, yeah. excellent. Um, all right, so. Uh, before we get to the soccer talk, do want to let you know that if you're not subscribed to the podcast, uh, it is a great idea to do so. It lets you know when we drop a brand new episode. It's right there in your feed, so you don't even have to worry about looking us up. If you do want to look us up on the socials, we're at 10K Pitches on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, I have a, uh, not even like a New Year's resolution, because it's not the new year yet, but I have like a, a resolution, a short-term resolution, Dom, that I'm going to actually get our facebook page active mm. it's ambitious we have a ve- we have a facebook page if you look up ten thousand pitches it is there but it is it is far from active it's not even the current up-to-date logo of the podcast so that will happen uh, my goal is by the end of the year to have an, an active stream of content going out to our facebook page there might be random ats for people on Twitter in the Facebook content that doesn't, you know, won't, won't apply t- to Facebook, but it'll, there'll be stuff there. I promise. Uh, by the end of the year, that's my, that's my goal. That's my resolution, my December resolution, if you will. Um, last week's episode was a good one. Loon's round table with myself, Dominic and Jacob Schneider. Always love to have him on the show. So if you haven't heard that episode, please go check that out. And uh, this week, I actually just got back from having a conversation with Brian Coleman. He actually just took a job. I mean, if, obviously the Coleman name, very, very well known here in Minnesota, specifically here in the Twin Cities as well. Uh, Brian, nine-year pro, was on the 2011 NSC Minnesota Stars championship team, uh, played his entire pro career here in Minnesota, which is really cool. The only player to play three years with three separate Minnesota pro soccer clubs, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he just took a job actually with Joy the People and he is helping run their new facility in Woodbury. And I was just there, Dom. This is a like a roller skating rink. Remember when you when you were a kid, when we were kids, the roller skating rinks that you'd go to. They took that, the roller skating rink, I mean, as a lot of rinks probably have shut down, like they're not in business anymore. So they took the facility and they have turned it into like an indoor soccer space with futsal courts, a lot of cool soccer stuff. There's like soccer tennis, uh, uh, just really, really cool. So 
I was there with Brian. We talked about that. We talked about his career. Uh, so that is coming up a little later on in the show. But uh, very, very cool to see just another kind of indoor soccer facility popping up in the Twin Cities because, as we know, those are pretty important in Minnesota, Dom. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone listening to this doesn't already know that uh, it snows in Minnesota. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, it's pretty hard to play uh, to play soccer in any sort of good competitive sense uh when it's you know the ground's covered in snow so yeah i mean everywhere across the state from from the very top areas up here in like duluth for example all the way down to to rochester in in the southern part of the state you need those indoor facilities for for really every sport but certainly for soccer um so it's really great to see more and more parts of the state um getting those more communities having access to them and obviously that that idea of access is a big part of what joy uh, the people are about so it only makes sense that they're part of that initiative how cold is it in duluth right now mm, let me see when i uh, i recall checking when i got to work this morning it was 10 um of course that was when the sun was out so let me do a real 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 you know it's 19 which is actually very nice but the last two days were much colder the last two yeah, days I, were like five I, so i our kids bus stop is four houses down from our house but uh i drove her to the bus stop today because it was negative one degree oh, wow. when we left the house this morning so i was like you know what right. even though it's a short walk no way no way we're standing out there we're we're driving the the 100 feet or whatever it is to get to the bus uh but yeah it's 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 that time tis the season yeah. Uh, for the frigid weather, that's for sure. But things are heating up in the world of Minnesota soccer in terms of the content that we have to talk about. With last week being very Loons-centric um, and the week before that being a very, very short Thanksgiving episode with just the interview, uh, it's been a few weeks since we've really gotten a chance to dive into a lot of the topics happening across Minnesota soccer as a whole. So we're going to be playing a lot of catch-up this week, uh, but a lot of good content. And it starts with MLS Next Pro. Uh, this is a new league. This has been rumored to you know, be happening for a while. It finally was announced. The uh, professional, basically, second league for MLS, the reserve league, if you will, for MLS. And Minnesota United will have a squad in that league. Not every MLS team and MLS market is represented in this league. So um, there is some significance that Minnesota United is going to be kind of in that first run of teams who are participating in MLS next pro. This is something that I think Minnesota United fans have been clamoring for since they joined MLS in 2017. Um, we've seen homegrown talent in Minnesota, uh, you know, go get away because we don't have necessarily a system like this for Minnesota United in place or hadn't had one prior. Um, so really good opportunity to continue to cultivate talent here in Minnesota, but also obviously give those, uh, give those reserve players a chance to get on the field and get some real meaningful minutes. Yeah. And you know, it's um, there's a lot of, of questions to be answered in regards to what this league is going to look like and what any of the teams in it are going to really look like that, we're gonna to have to wait a while to, to have answers for. Um, but obviously, like you said, you know, I, I, I can recall for years now, for example, through my my lower league kind of connections or, or, or not connections, but, you know, people I knew in the lower league scenes around the country and in Minnesota, 
there's constantly been conversation of when will Minnesota have some sort of uh, USL or, 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 you know, but other options didn't exist at the time. NISA and, and MLS Next were not playing at the time. Uh, but, you know, when would Minnesota have that lower league representation? Because it seemed like there was the space for it. Um, and, and for a long time, we just haven't had it. There's been rumors over the years of this and that and this and that. And at certain points, Minnesota has had affiliations with, you know, teams like uh, Forward Madison. But, uh, yeah, to finally have something coming to the state, there, there's aspects of it that are very exciting. I, uh, from my past of doing a lot of lower league content, I, you know, I hear a lot of people who continue to kind of have that sigh about just the constant adding of leagues to the American mm-hmm. uh, soccer environment. And, and I totally also understand that grievance. I think it's one of those things um, where we're going to have to wait and see how this new league fits into the puzzle. And uh, we're going to have to hope that it fits in a positive way, in a way that helps um, people and helps the the sport grow in the country uh, and in the state of Minnesota in this case. But uh, yeah, look, you know, the, one of the big criticisms at times with Minnesota United has been that connection to the, to the youth, that uh, ability to develop youth within Minnesota. Um, lots of great Minnesotan players have ended up leaving the state and never even touching Minnesota soccer outside of the sort of developmental stage. Um, you know, someone like Hayden Clark as an example. That's um, like the prime recent example that comes to mind I yeah. think, for everybody because he went, he, that was the reason. That was right. the reason that Caden Clark got away is he wasn't necessarily um, MLS ready at the time, but he was definitely a step above the academy level. And right. New York Red Bulls had that second reserve team in place and you see what happens. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe this is a good sign that in the future that will no longer be a topic of conversation. So if nothing else, I think that's probably the the, the positive or the silver lining for people to look at. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions that we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, what the answers are about this new league and what it means for, for American soccer. Cameron Knowles will be the team's first head coach. He was the Minnesota United first team video analyst and former Portland Timbers two head coach. So somebody with experience coaching this type of team at this level, um, you know, taking over the reins, which I think is very, very important. Um, you talked about the adding of leagues, Dom. I think all we're doing is, is really developing a true pyramid here. Uh, you know, at the third tier, you have three teams. Now we just need another league or a, three leagues in the third tier. Now we just need to add yeah. a second <laughs> league in the second tier. Then you have MLS at the yeah. top. It's a true pyramid, as our friends at Minneapolis City pointed out on Twitter. So I yeah. think that's all we're doing here. But but I, I do see the points. I think a lot of fans of the USL, uh, I'm thinking, you know, Ford Madison fans, fans of USL League One will be happy that these reserve teams have somewhere else to go. So they're not in USL because playing – uh, with no atmosphere on a team's training ground, basically, or playing in Miami when you're in that beautiful MLS stadium, but there's no fans because the, they they can't rely on enough people to come to the game to you know, uh, you know, hire workers. Like that's just that's how it is when you're talking about these reserve teams. Now maybe Minnesota will be different. Maybe Minnesota, depending on how many players have Minnesota ties, depending on the notoriety level of, you know, maybe draft picks who are playing in that reserve league. Um, 
maybe they'll be able to cultivate some sort of supporters culture and fan culture for the second team specifically, but that's traditionally not there for those, uh, for those MLS two teams, if you will. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota does, but again, I do think that there is a positive there that, that from a USL standpoint, that they'll sort of have these quote unquote independent clubs with the supporters cultures, with, you know, their own identities, a, a league just for those type of teams. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely a, a benefit the USL can get out of this. Um, that the USL as a league has grown so much, or as two leagues, uh, two professional leagues, has grown so much in, in recent years in terms of even, uh, you know, the TV deals they're starting to get with, with ESPN and um, the the amount of support some of their teams have. You know, you have teams that are averaging three, four, five, six thousand 6,000 uh, people to watch a, a not first tier uh, soccer team. That's uh, actually pretty good numbers, even for a lot of other countries. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, and, and, you know, just recently you see a team like Detroit city uh, moving to the USL championship. That's obviously a team with such a huge following. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in that sense, yeah, I, I think the USL in the long term, I don't know what they in the boardrooms are feeling, but I think in the long term, they can benefit quite a bit from, a lot of these teams leaving, like like you were suggesting, a lot of these uh, MLS two teams that were playing in uh, the championship and and League One were getting like a couple hundred fans at their games. That's the yeah. official number. So uh, you know they're they're and also they tended to not do particularly well. Uh, New York Red Bulls too, I think, mm-hmm. won the USL champ uh, the or just the USL several years ago. But uh, otherwise, most of the time the teams do quite poor, uh, and so. Mm-hmm. In the end, it's probably better for both sides to, to separate. I, I have seen some people argue that, you know, argue in defense of uh, MLS. And that's just an idea to throw out there um, that, you know, in a way, this could end up serving a similar role to American soccer that the Premier League 2 does to English soccer. So for people that or English football. So for people that don't know, there's obviously the uh, the, the championship in England where teams are promoted into the Premier League, but Premier League teams also have a separate youth league that they play. It's called Premier League Two. And, and you know, so I, I have seen some people argue that this could eventually develop into a similar situation uh, that could benefit everybody. So, uh, yeah, again, there's a lot, a lot to still be discovered. And to kind of relate this locally, we've seen teams, I and mean, we just talked to St. Croix, and this is at a much different level, but we talked to St. Croix a couple of weeks ago you know, they're entering USL League Two. What they're basically doing is they are adding a semi-pro rung to their developmental ladder, right? That's really all this is. Like you're you're just you're I, I think it's more it's it's sort of that filling that gray area between the academy and your singer senior club, which obviously MLS wants to have full control over, and there's a lot of I think um, poignant arguments against and for that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, when you're talking about Minnesota United and how this could affect them on the field, I think this is only only positive in terms of having this sort of league, having these sort of meaningful games um, that you can play against other other clubs, other players at that level, um, and keep those players in your organization too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just, we just kind of mentioned the importance of that. So, um, yes, from a philosophical standpoint, this, you know, for the, the purists of, of soccer in America, 
you know, this may not necessarily be the best taste in the mouth, but if you're talking about Minnesota United, I, there, there's, there's benefits there for the club. Absolutely. And that comparison to premier league too, I think is a very, very good one. All right. So um, moving on registration opening December 7th for a combine style tryout. This is kind of cool. Um, so you can actually try out to be part of MLS next pro the Minnesota United team and MLS next pro, um, applicants must have registration complete paid and submitted by Sunday, December 12th at 1159 PM. Um, applicants will receive a decision by Wednesday, December 15th. So obviously there's, I'm sure already a good idea of the type of players who are going to be on this roster. Um, you know, coming up from the academy and even some players who maybe haven't gotten the time and the MLS level that could use some real solid playing time elsewhere. Um, but there's still the opportunity for um, for those in the community and around the club to actually compete and try out for a spot, which I, I think adds an, adds a, uh, an interesting element to the whole thing too. Yeah. And, and in that sense, you know, I think um, it mirrors, something that you see in, in the other two third division leagues currently in the country being USL League One and, and NISA, which is at this level of the game, it, it is reasonable to try and, and find talent in uncommon places. So, mm. um, you know, Forward Madison have had a, a number of players who have arrived at that team in an unconventional matter in terms of uh, the common American path to professional soccer. Uh, you know, the, the Michael Vanes, I would argue the Hiro Toyamas of the of the world are not necessarily players that reached their first pro club in, in a way that would have made sense 10 years ago to most Americans. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, this is along that same vein, I would argue that, you know, yeah, they're probably going to be looking at the academy and, and those sorts of things and, and maybe loan players from the first team or something, you know, for, for talent, but also this is a level where you can reasonably trust some people that maybe are in the community. Maybe they play college or some other high level and they just aren't with anyone right now. And maybe you can give them a chance. So uh, hopefully at least a couple people get a chance to shine at this, this uh, combine and, and maybe we'll actually be able to see them play some soccer. All this information is on Minnesota United's website too, mnufc.com. Um, you will have to pay a tryout fee if you do apply for the tryout, but if you don't get selected to the combine, um, then you'll get that, that fee refunded. So um, just go to mnufc.com uh, for all the information on that. Um, moving on to another uh, new soccer team in Minnesota, Minnesota women's soccer. We're down to three names and we have badges and we have branding for these three potential team names. Um, if you haven't checked these out, Go to at MN Woso on Twitter and, and do that. Um, I think we retweeted, we retweeted it from the 10K account. This is just about a week ago now, so you might be better off going to at MN Woso on Twitter to check these out. So the three finalists, Arctic, Minnesota, Aurora, F, or Minnesota, Aurora FC, and Minnesota Foxfire. Uh, we put out a bit of a poll. It seems that Aurora is the current favorite with Arctic in second and Foxfire in third. Foxfire is a very, very, it's, it's, it's dividing MN Woso Nation right now. It's feel like either everybody either absolutely is in love with the Foxfire name or they absolutely despise it. 
Um, and those who despise it, there's a kind of a common theme that it makes them think of Mozilla Firefox, uh, which is not a great internet browser. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of in that camp too the first time I saw it. So I'm definitely more of a Arctic Minnesota guy. But honestly, seeing the branding and seeing the badges, I would be fine with any of these three. Yeah, um, I have to say I, the the badge slash branding for Aurora has won me a little over to that camp, mm-hmm. way more so than I was previously. Um, so so I between uh, Aurora and Arctic, I, I think those would be my two. The Foxfire thing is is, is interesting, and uh, yeah, you know, it's a it. I'm I'm quite surprised it made it this far. The badge is very nice. The 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 branding job they did for it is mm-hmm. is very impressive. Um, I, I I personally probably think that they shouldn't go in that direction. But but uh, yeah, you know, kudos to to whoever actually managed to make that look cool. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's exciting to to see them reach this point. Obviously, there's been the promise of great branding at the end of this journey with all these names, but to actually see it come to fruition is really exciting and these badges look fantastic i can just imagine them looking very good on a kit and having a kit designed around the themes of these badges look quite good so very exciting times yeah so shout outs to ali ranky she's a minnesota soccer alum uh nicole meyer and carla zatina i hope i'm getting that last name right all local graphic designers, local female graphic designers who kind of came together to develop the branding for all three of these. Um, just, just amazing work. Like very, very like professional a plus work, like a, a, a premier league or an NWSL team or, a you know, uh, uh, any pro team in the, in the world could come out with branding like that tomorrow. And everybody would be like, Oh, that's freaking awesome. Cause all three of those badges and those, those, those brands look, look, really really good are really really well done so um yeah not a big fan of foxfire but again the the badge if it, if it if that's what's picked honestly the badge is like you know what i'm cool with yeah. that it's unique for sure um so we also have a rival for minnesota woso even though they haven't taken the field they haven't gotten their you know their uh their name uh solidified yet uh they will have a Wisconsin rival in the Green Bay glory because Green Bay is the newest member of the USLW League. Um, They've recently been in the WPSL, have multiple years of experience operating, and I believe they're the 31st, 31st or 32nd team in the USLW League. So this this league hasn't even kicked off yet, Dom, and we're already talking about an, an NFL worth of of nfl league worth of teams you got that like 32 team mark already pretty pretty cool yeah and uh and and that's a good thing to point out that there are already quite a few teams um that's great to see you know obviously um and and albeit i'm about to compare it to a pro league which is very different but you know with usl league one for example you see leads sometimes that when they start they start with quite a small group of teams and there can be some issues around that uh, a variety of issues so it's good to see, you know, a, a plethora of, of teams kind of spread across the country. And and you would imagine that's that's a good platform to build this league from. And and yeah, you know, for me, it, it's it's great to see that there'll be some sort of border rivalry uh, with with these two sides with Green Bay and, and Minnesota Woso. Um, 
you know, being from uh, Western Wisconsin myself, that dynamic of sports rivalry has always been the the sort of compass of how I interpret sports rivalries. And, uh, and certainly from a Minnesota perspective, that tends to be the focus. Minnesota rivalries with, say, uh, Chicago sports teams tend to be quite light or thin. Um, and then, of course, there's very little uh, professional sports action out of the Dakotas and so on. So that, that Minnesota-Wisconsin thing is, is, is such a big part of Minnesota sports and, and to a degree Wisconsin sports. So great to see that there'll be a little bit of that in, in the W League. And uh, hopefully that, that, that grows and there can be some fun some fun away journeys for fans and, and some good atmosphere at both, uh, both teams games. Absolutely. All right. I was trying to come up with a clever segue, but uh, I wasn't able to think of one. I'm sorry. It's nine Oh one on a Wednesday as we record here, but it's time to talk about our good friends over at stimulus athletic. Uh, as we mentioned, I just talked to Brian Coleman. You'll hear that uh, interview in just a little bit. Um, Brian, former teammate of Jason Mora's at Minnesota United, Jason, the founder of Stimulus Athletics. So you're talking about a guy with a Minnesota soccer pedigree, uh, decided to plant his roots here in Minnesota um, after playing a, a couple years with Minnesota United and Minnesota Stars. Um, and he has opened a business here in Minnesota and he is outfitting clubs with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices so as we sit here in december you're probably at the point now where you're starting to think about the decisions you're making for next season for next summer uh one of those decisions probably is who's going to outfit our club who how are we going to get our jerseys who are we going to get our uniforms from and all the equipment and stuff that we need all the apparel and stuff that we need i implore you i ask you to at least have a conversation with stimulus athletic the conversation's free it costs you nothing to kind of open up that conversation, kind of tell them what you're looking for, tell them what you're all about. And I, I'm sure I'm, I, we've done it ourselves with the 10 K kit. Like we've experienced it firsthand that the team at stimulus can uh, get you what you're looking for. If you have a design, that's great. They can put it on their jerseys. If you're in need of a design, Stimulus has a pretty wicked awesome design team who can uh, hook you up with something cool. Uh, just look at Minneapolis City. Um, look at uh, Joy of the People. Look at Flora FC. Uh, a lot of other great local and national clubs. I mean, they just closed the store with the American Outlaws. Uh, the U.S. Men's National Team Supporters Group. They had a limited run of uh, U.S. soccer-themed merchandise. That was all awesome, and it was all designed and uh, manufactured by Stimulus Athletic. Look at the Anguilan National Team. That Anguilan National Team kit is available right now. If you go at info underscore stimulus on Twitter, uh, you're able to grab one of those. Um, that's a Stimulus Athletic product. It's, it's a pretty much a no-brainer to at least give Stimulus the opportunity to earn your business. Go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that Design tab, click that Get Started button, let them know Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. Uh, but also, speaking of Minneapolis City, we have uh, seen what 2022 could look like for the Crows, Dom, as they have uh, kind of unveiled their options for their home and away kits for 2022. And these are... I mean, these are all great. They're all Matthew Wolf designed. So they're all awesome. Um, and they're going to be on stimulus athletic jerseys. So you know that they're going to feel good and look good at the same time. Um, to me, they can't go wrong with either of these, but it seems like people really, really love the, um, I believe it's the drippity droppity is what it's called. 
Um, very, very unique design. And then on the home side, uh, people are are really liking the magnificent beast design. If you want to know what the heck we're talking about, go to our Twitter at 10k pitches. Uh, we have kind of, we have all of those designs up. Uh, some polls asking the uh, the people what they think uh, Minneapolis City should do with their 2022 kits. But um, a lot of good stuff, and of course you see it right there on the shoulder, all with Stimulus Athletic on there. So very very cool. Uh, StimulusAthletic.com at info underscore stimulus on Twitter. Uh, Dom, which of these Minneapolis city, uh, kits do you prefer? Uh, with the, with the home, uh, kit, I, I very much agree with the majority with the, uh, magnificent beast option. I, I can appreciate how the, uh, cats and crows, which has proven quite popular as well. I can appreciate that, that, that kit very much works with the team. I personally am not interested in that, but you know, I, I, if it's, if it ended up being what they chose, I, I would completely understand because it does again fit a lot of the the uh, aesthetic that they like to you know build around with the team. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the away, um, you know, I'm not sure. The static blast is, is is fun, although they have done some stuff with with that lightning concept before. So yep. I do wonder if they would probably want to maybe drift away, try something new. Um, and, and in that sense, the drippity droppity one is, is probably <laughs> best again. The posterized one is cool. Um, yeah, it is. But in the same sense with the the the, the home kit, um, it's maybe not quite. It's a little busy for me. I don't know. It's not quite what I would be looking for. Uh, the drippity dropity would probably be my preference. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely more leaning towards the posterized on the away kit. Although I do love the. It's, it feels weird saying drippity droppity in <laughs> in a serious sense in any way, but uh, that's what it's called. Uh, so the drippity droppity kit, I I totally cool with that it's such a unique design it's something you don't see in in soccer at all so i think that would be really cool i personally like the posterized one best definitely uh a fan of the magnificent beast one on the home side too it seems a lot of people really like that one so again if you want to know what we're talking about follow us at 10k pitches on twitter you can also follow minneapolis city at mpls city sc another team very very famous for their jerseys and their kits forward madison have unveiled, well, unveiled, announced their new head coach, Matt Glazer. Uh, This is a very popular decision among Mingo fans. He's going to be their head coach and technical director. He's the assistant coach and director. He was, I should say, the assistant coach and director of goalkeeping. Wow, words. For Sacramento (laughs) Republic in the USL Championship, spent four seasons as an assistant with RSL and Real Monarchs. During his first season with the Monarchs in 2017, Glazer was instrumental in the club lifting the 2017 USL regular season shield. And then in 2019, he actually helped lead the Monarchs to their first ever USL championship title. So a guy with a pedigree in MLS in USL championship. Uh, This is, I think, the kind of coach that can really make an instant impact in USL League One. Somebody that understands success at the USL level already um specifically usl championship um we talked to him rob and i on the latest talk and flock uh, we had a little bonus episode that was released on monday which you can check out um and uh rob you know asked him a lot of great questions matt was very forthcoming in his answers so um go check that out if you haven't but it seems like this is a team that you know glazer kind of fits their expectations sort of fits the again the aesthetic as you mentioned with minneapolis city kind of the, the aesthetic that forward madison wants to present 
seems like he's very confident. Obviously, you want a guy who's confident. And it seems like, more importantly, the supporters in the community are confident in him um, as as their new head coach. Yeah, and, you know, we talked quite a bit. Um, I believe we recorded an episode quite shortly after uh, Craig's uh, d- dismissal. And uh, um, this, to me, feels like a, a really good response to uh, something we discussed that episode, which is simply that if this is how this season is going to end, the next coach you appoint really needs to be the right appointment. Like you need to, the, the, the rollover needs to end soon and there needs to be a, a consistent direction um, before things start to feel a little too drifty. And uh, this feels like a, a good answer to that. You know, this is a, a guy with a lot of experience um, at a higher level than Madison are playing and uh, experience in a variety of ways. He's been around teams that win games, but he's also got, you know, experience as a defensive, uh, a coach of defensive positions. And so, you know, has a couple different areas of experience to bring to the team Um, from what I've heard from, from some of the stuff that you've been doing with talking flock and and other um, media out of the team itself. He seems, you know, very, dedicated to the project he seems very excited and uh i I certainly hope that uh he can you know bring that experience and and deliver an exciting season for madison yeah we truly don't know i guess if it's the right appointment until we see the product on the field and see what kind of results can put together but um he talked about his his strategy his tactical strategy kind of the way he sees the team um looking out on the pitch and it definitely seems um like a very well-rounded approach um, so we'll see how that actually uh, turns out on the field in 2022. But um, so far, so good with Matt Glazer at the you know taking over the helm with Ford Madison. Uh, finally, our final topic, um, not one that we uh, are going to enjoy talking about by by any any means, but something that obviously should be addressed is the um, allegations against uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, the uh, Minnesota United midfielder, um, reported by Andy Grader. Um, is accused of hitting a 16-year-old with a gun in Argentina over last weekend. Uh, Greater would later report that Reynoso had been arrested and that the event is said to have happened at a party. Um, this is obviously um, not something you 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 ever want to hear. Um, you know, see very very close to the team that you are and the club that you are uh, you know supporting and and are close to. Um, Minnesota United stated that they are taking the matter seriously and are in the process of gathering as much information as we, as they can. Um, and then the latest development just a couple of days ago, uh, Reynoso's attorney has denied Reynoso's involvement in the incident, of course. And, uh, and, but says that he has video evidence to back up his claim. So we will see, I guess, at some point that video evidence has to come to light that alleged video, if it, if it exists, um, but not the way I guess you want to uh, start your off season if you're a Minnesota United fan with, with this sort of news. And um, I guess we can only hope that if there is, is justice that needs to be served, that it is. And, um, you know, I guess, we, you know, at this point, we know what we know and we won't really get a firm conclusion on this until more information comes to light. Yeah, you know, it's um, obviously a very serious situation and um, the, uh, the the potential 
of of it being true would would be very disappointing of course um you know mm -hmm. to, to have a to have a player of a minnesota united player be doing the things that he's accused of doing um but yeah obviously at the same time there's a, a lot of stuff we need to wait to find out and and not really in our hands to find it out so uh we'll have to let that process uh unravel with with time but uh yeah you know it, it certainly leaves some big questions for uh for him and and potentially for for the team as well so we'll have to uh we'll have to see what what comes out all right it is interview time here on 10,000 pitches my conversation with Brian Coleman uh, Minnesota United Stars and Thunder alum, currently working with Joy of the People in Woodbury, doing great things there. Um, but Dominic and I will be back because we still got to do top four. So we will get you with that top four after you hear from Mr. Brian Coleman. It's now time to welcome in a nine-year pro, the only man to play three years for the Minnesota Thunder, Minnesota Stars, and Minnesota United, the eldest of the six Coleman soccer-playing kids, the pride of Woodbury, Minnesota, Mr. Brian Coleman. Brian, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I'm I'm happy to be here. We're actually in Woodbury right now at the new Joy of the People facility here on Wood on uh, off Wooddale Drive. Uh, this place is unbelievable, man. Uh, it's a skating rink that you guys sort of turned into a soccer facility. Talk to me about it because you said you have you have history or have memories of coming here as a kid when it was a skating rink, and now you've sort of turned it into this indoor soccer heaven almost. Yeah, that's that's the goal of it. You know, right now we, we got some nets up. We got three courts put down. Um, we're going to expand in the future to outside. We'll have some turf fields with lights, uh, sand soccer court. Uh, every week we're just making little strides to make this place more fun and, and more enjoyable for the entire soccer community on the east side of the Twin Cities. So your official role is the director of play. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, how did you get involved with Joy? How did you get connected? And what the heck does director of play mean? You know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of perfect for what my role is because pretty much any time this place is going to be open, I'm going to be here, whether it's helping coach run sessions or supervising our free plays or when we have our adult leagues up and running, I'll be here, you know, kind of running those as well. But uh, that's that's really what it's about is just getting the community in, getting people in the door and and creating an environment where everyone wants to come hang out and stay here all day, eat food, drink beer, drink wine when we yeah. get our liquor license and, and just really enjoy the sport. We were talking about how facilities like this don't necessarily exist a lot in the in the suburbs. You know, in the suburbs you have your your parks with your larger fields and you know these kind of you know futsal, smaller court, indoor facilities. We see them popping up in in the metro in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, what's it been like to be part of opening a facility like this in, in your hometown? It's it's been amazing when the opportunity presented itself, uh, and I came and I saw this space and I I saw the vision and what they tried to do it. I, I knew I couldn't pass this up. Like I, I told you earlier, I used to come on Friday nights and to the skating rink, you know, when I was in fifth, sixth grade. And, and we want to try to bring that back. Uh, you know, once a month, we're going to do teen night, uh, turn off the lights, have the disco balls going and the lasers and, and neon balls and just kind of make it a fun experience and a fun, something different, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of what joy is all about is just being a little bit different than than your traditional clubs and and organizations. We'll put a video of this on our socials if we can grab you maybe trying this out. I, I saw the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. You guys have a, a blower 
that's meant for uh, bounce houses. And you're using that as a, a training tool to help kids hit volleys. How, how, tell me how this works and how this idea even popped into whoever's head came up with the idea. Well, Teddy, his, his role, he's co-founder, but uh, his role in the club is artistic director. And I think it fits him perfectly because uh, for those of you guys that know Teddy, he's got all these crazy wild ideas and, and they seem to work. Uh, but he was telling me about it and I really didn't believe it until he showed me and I think every day we just we keep it set up the whole time so kids on water breaks will just walk over and flip this little blower up and and you just kind of tilt it on its side and and it can hold a volleyball it can hold a soccer ball up as well but it's not very high um maybe gets a little bit more dangerous and we're all about safety here so we kind of just use our volleyballs but uh yeah it's it's it holds the ball at a height to where you really need to focus on getting your knee up and your technique, but it also kind of moves a little bit as well. So I've seen some really good players step up and just try to smash the ball and completely whiff on it because it's just hovering and moving a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but we have, we do some unique things like that here. We also have a tennis ball shooter that you know shoots tennis balls at people that they can work on their first touch and then striking the ball. And it, we're a big believer in just differential learning here, hitting different types of balls, different sizes of balls, different weights of balls. Um, yeah, it's just a really unique experience so far. I see that you know you guys got the soccer tennis courts. You you built this this thing that's you, you sit in it and you kick the tennis ball. I believe uh, you could provide a little bit more context on what this little this little like box play thing is. Yeah, I, I won't say the name of where I got it from, but I saw that they sell these things for a thousand dollars online. And uh, during COVID, I actually got into a little bit of woodworking and figured out how to make some tables and stuff. So I was I always wanted to make one of these. I was going to make it for my house, and then when Teddy gave me the go ahead to, to go ahead and uh, to build things for here and just turn in my receipts. I think I went straight to Home Depot that day and, nice. and bought the stuff to, to put it together. Yeah, so it's, it's just a little table and it's kind of got a chicken wire around it to keep the ball in. And then the two benches are our little goals and you just sit down and play one-on-one. -on -one. But I've seen it's great for young kids. It's high school kids have got in there for a little bit and played and or you'll see like a young kid with their mom, you know, sit down and, and hang out for a little bit. And yeah, that's what we're all about. We want to create these little skill games that kids can just come when we're open and they can just play games. Or if we have a court open, they can just jump on and have free play whenever they want. I mean, it makes an impact. Anything you can do with the ball at your feet, no matter what the ball is, just working on your game, even if you don't even realize you're, you're working on it, you're having fun. I mean, that's 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 really, really cool. Um, you have a guy over here who creates authentic Mexican food at the at the concession stand over here. Um, before we sort of switch topics, though, um, I don't want to necessarily gloss over this. What what do people need to know about this place that we haven't yet already talked about before we switch uh, switch it up here? I think joy, joy, the people's whole mentality is is to not not over coach kids and to let the game teach the kids and and quite honestly since the 15th of november since i started here you know just three almost four weeks ago it's it's kind of made me question my last 12 years of coaching and and i'm a coach that that lets my kids play regardless i don't do a lot of coaching but especially when i see our older high school kids are our, our goats or our rice and beans program that we call it um, they come in every Monday night and 
the first Monday night, they were short of players, so I jumped in goal. And I got rainbowed three different times oh my gosh. against high school kids. And I'm like, what is going on? And the more I watch these kids, it's they like it's like they don't even they don't play like typical American players. It's very free spirited. Everyone feels comfortable on the ball. And and this is just me watching them play five on five on a, yeah. on a basketball court, you know, or a futsal court. So it's a uh, it's something that when people come here, everyone's always included. Um, I've seen the Salvo kids, I've seen the St. Croix kids already starting to buy in here. And, you know, my son has been out, we were just watching a skills training and my son was the youngest player out there and older kids knock him down and they help him up and they're like, are you okay? And they'll, they invite him to play soccer tennis with them. And even people that are from outside joy are already starting to, to buy into what we do here and, and always leave with a smile on their face. And that's really what we're all about. That's amazing. Um, so, as I mentioned, we're going to transition and talk about your career a little bit here because, um, you know, as I mentioned, you're the only player in history to play three years for three different professional clubs in Minnesota. Um, what does that mean to you? Would you hear that knowing that you sort of not only hold that honor, but but in your in your home state? Yeah, no, I I was being the oldest uh, of six kids, and you know, when I was younger, my dad, uh, when I was in high school, he worked in St. Louis, so I. For a while, I just kind of wanted to get away, and we don't have Division One soccer in Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. So I went away to Florida for two and a half years, Jacksonville University, and then I transferred to Creighton University, and that was that was like kind of my time away from my family. So in 2005, uh, when I got drafted by the Minnesota Thunder and you know got uh, offered a contract and invited to preseason and all that. I, I really enjoyed playing in front of my family, in front of my friends, um, even though times weren't always the best, right? Like mm-hmm. the Thunder ended up folding the last the last year of it. We we didn't get like our last five paychecks, but mm-hmm. it's I think a group of us really believed in pro soccer in Minnesota. And, you know, luckily, the at the time, the National Sports Center stepped in and and they decided to take over and, you know, change the name to the stars and. And that's really what kind of saved the professional soccer in Minnesota. But for me, it was, it kind of hurt, it hurt me in my career because I think everyone knew I didn't want to leave. I wanted to be here. Um, so there was some, some years where I signed some contracts that maybe for, was a little bit less money, but uh, it was always, I was already coaching here in Woodbury and, and starting to progress my life that way. So at the time, unless I was able to make an MLS team, it didn't make sense for me to go to another second division team mm-hmm. and make similar money. But then I wasn't making my money coaching. Right. Yeah. So it was I, I love that I was able to stay my whole career here um, in Minnesota, play in front of my friends, family, really help build something special, you know, to what it's turned in today. Um, I just kind of wish I would have gotten one more year at times. So I could have yeah. said I played 10 years, but yep. at the end of the day, uh, without getting into details, cause I don't know if it's really ever been talked about, but it, it ended up being my choice to retire. Uh, even though my option didn't get picked up for the following year, I just, I kind of was given a choice. Like, is it time to grow up and be a dad? or keep chasing my dream and proving myself. And ultimately, I just decided it was time to hang them up on, on my accord and, and start the next chapter of my life. 
well, that next chapter has been very, very eventful, very, uh, you know, very much in the soccer realm. So we'll get to that in a minute. But talking about kind of how this, you mentioned how the Stars sort of saved soccer in Minnesota. You were on that 2011 Stars Club that won the NASL championship. Um, and there was a reunion this year as the team was honored before uh, Minnesota United game back in October. Um, what was that like sort of, you know, getting back together, you know, getting back, getting close with, you know, such a special group 10 years after you guys achieved such a major accomplishment? It, it was really special. Um, unfortunately, there were there were a lot of guys, you know, really important guys. And I mean, we were all important in our own way, but there were a lot of guys that weren't able to make it back because some of them are still playing pro or some of them are coaching pro now or have moved on. And uh, but the guys that did come back, I mean, it was like you said, it was 10 years ago. But as soon as we all I actually had to coach that day. So they invited us to um, a stadium tour on Saturday and then and then they fed us. So my wife and two kids went to the stadium tour. And then when I got done coaching, I went and met everyone for dinner. So I was like the last one to get there. But as soon as you see everyone, it it's just like your best friends from high school. You know, it's, yeah. it's like you pick up where you started or left off and everyone's making the same jokes and giving each other crap. And it was really good to see some of those people because some of them I hadn't seen since then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you look back on your career, is that championship run sort of the defining moment in your mind? I mean, you played played every minute during that playoff run. Um, you're very influential in 2012 when you guys made another playoff run. Um, so is that sort of the, you see as the defining moment of your careers or some, maybe something else that comes to the forefront of your mind when you sort of reminisce on those nine years? Yeah, I definitely – I mean, my most of my career I was I was always battling for my spot, which is, which is a good thing uh, for a team, but – it was definitely like that, that 2011 team. It actually, um, that was a tough year for me. Cause I would, I'd play a game and I'd do really well. And then the next game I wouldn't be playing. And after it happened a couple of times, I went, you know, I was talking to Manny about it and he was like, you know, sometimes it's just not fair was like his answer. And, and I kind of just brushed it off. And then finally, um, there was one game that Kyle Altman had to sit out for a red card and I wore the captain armband, um, I I started at center back when traditionally I was outside back just to fill in for Kyle. And we ended up winning that game and I scored a goal. And then the next the next week, Manny still hadn't made up his mind about who was going to start between me and Kevin Friedland at the time. And uh, I kind of went and talked to Manny and was like, listen, like I was captain of the team last week. I played out of my position. I scored a goal. We won the game. Like, why am I not playing? Why am I not? getting an opportunity to play again this year and, and I straight up told him I said you realize in every game I've played this year and at, at that point it had maybe been 50 50 I said we haven't lost yet I said we've either tied or we've won and Brian Sevillicus was was actually on a similar boat and right about the same time we kind of we kind of got that starting spot and we just the team started winning and and Manny was a superstitious guy so when you're winning he didn't change anything up unless there was an injury or anything and and I think just after winning the championship that I think that kind of, you know, helped, helped my cause for the next year. But, but also that, that next year I was doing a ton of coaching Corver actually um, and doing foot skills and coaching more like private sessions to where when I came back in 2012, like all of a sudden I was like really had some foot skills and I could beat defenders and, and I worked a lot on my cross. So like I kept 
reinventing myself almost every year, a little by little. And, and those were definitely my, my two best years. Um, being a pro 2013 was good as well. Um, you know, that's kind of when I started losing my starting spot to, to Kevin Venegas. So. so you're the oldest of six, as you mentioned, everybody played soccer at at least the high school level. Um, obviously you, Brent and Cassie sort of are at the forefront of that, of that lineage, if you will. Um, do you have a story that sort of encapsulates sort of the competition or the competitive nature among you and your siblings sort of growing up? Well, I've read some story. I actually read a story the other day. Um, it had been like eight years or something since my sister was a senior at Florida state. Maybe not that long. Sorry, Cass. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was talking about like how we're always competitive, even like canasta and board games and stuff like this. But I think the, the funniest, the funniest story that I can think of right now is, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. My sister Crystal was still in town. They hadn't moved yet. And, um, she took the kids to like a soccer field and they were playing whatever. And, uh, and sorry, we had a volleyball almost come our way. That's all right. No um, worries. Headed a swivel over. Yeah. Mind. Yeah. Got it. We're good. And, uh, Crystal texted me and was like, the kids were bored. So I taught them about killer. So killer is something that we played with basketball, with football, mm -hmm. with soccer, whatever. If you just threw the name killer in front of it, all it meant is like no fouls, no rules. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, the boys were, but that, that's kind of how it was. Like it was always me and my sister or me and Brent versus my brother, Brad and Crystal. And like, we would always do two on two basketball or baseball or whatever games we'd make up in the, in the basement, you know, in the winter time, but something, something is just the way we were brought up is everyone really likes to win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so after you retired, you started uh, football form and fitness. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. It's mission sort of what, what made you decide to pursue this particular venture after your playing career is over. Uh, it was something that I had done on a smaller scale. Um, I really, what I, what I found out, you know, the good thing is about playing second division soccer and not making a ton of money is you, you have to supplement that income in. And the easiest way was to coach. And it's something I wish I would have known I was interested in when I was younger, or like in college and kind of studied, but it's something that, that I just started doing and, and really enjoyed it. Um, and as I got older, I kept, you know, it started taking coaching licensing and stuff like that. But I was always really involved in and like interested in the personal development side of stuff and mm -hmm. just giving kids the opportunity to get extra training. And yeah, like I'm getting paid. It was a business, but at the same time, like everything I do for my, for my private training or my small group training was like, I would have the same dribbling warm up every time I would do similar like speed ladders. I call them triangles, whatever, every time. And that stuff's, that stuff's the same. But then the rest of the session would be different, working on technique, you know, getting a ton of touches on the ball, putting them in game-like situations. But a lot of the things that I would show them is like, you can do this at home. Yeah. Like, you don't need to come train with me once a week. Like, if you want to, great. And some, some people did. But a lot of it, you know, at times people would reach out and be like, hey, can you just, you know, my kid's struggling with his confidence. Like, can you just work with them? And, and I think that was the biggest um compliment that i would get after training kids is their confidence just shot through the roof after yeah. working with me a few times 
great transition into your role now with Joy of the People and, and how influential sort of, what did you learn, I guess, from, from this first sort of post-playing career venture with football form and fitness that, that you're going to take into your new role with Joy? Oh, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is just being like a good mentor to kids. I, I honestly feel like, and I've had some parents reach out to me, uh, you know, since this transition into Joy of the People and, and there's like, honestly, Brian, like people, we just train with you because of like our kid enjoys just hanging out with you and, and, you know, spending time with you and the way you talk to them. Like if they're struggling, scoring goals, when my daughter comes to see you, like next thing you know, the next game, she's putting goals in because you just talk to her and you give her her confidence. And as a soccer player, that's what it's all about. And I think that's a huge thing about uh, joy. Of the people is we we give the kids the freedom to make mistakes. Like we want them to try rainbows. We want them to try Maradona's and, and if it doesn't work and they get scored on, it's fine. Like no one's yelling at them like that they messed up. It's just, it's a safe environment where, where kids have that opportunity to make mistakes and learn from it and just have fun and like, let the pressure go away. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause club soccer is just, it's crazy right now. Like, I honestly, I, I was, I switched from coaching elite level girls. I went back to coaching younger girls this fall. And, and I, I think my teams were, were better at it than most parents, just because most other teams, because we'd have conversations about how, how we should act. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're playing against some of these other clubs and like these parents are just going nuts and yelling at the reference. Like, there were two or three times this fall where I would yell across the field to a parent, like they are 10 year old girls, like chill out. And, and honestly, this, it's not like that here. It's, you see the joy of the people, uh, parents on Saturdays and they just, they just sit there and they just watch and they're quiet or they just talk with each other or they jump in with a group of people on the other, on the other court and just start playing. But, it's just so much more laid back in such a better environment for, for development, in my opinion. It's amazing to have those resources, uh, growing up. I, I played baseball growing up into college and, uh, if ever I was having a bad run of games, you know, not, not pitching well, I was like, okay, I need to have a session with Mike. Mike was my pitching coach. Um, and just in those sessions, it was almost just like an immediate like reset. Like I was able to get out of my own head, you know, it was just really kind of getting back to the basics, sort of just me and him we're in like a warehouse, you know, I have to imagine that some of those kids probably feel the same when they, when they come to you, they're like, okay, like this is where I just really kind of focus in on what I need to work on and not worry about all that other crap. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head. I think, uh, even the, the kids that, that are coming in right now for some of our skills training that, that are uh, from from traditional clubs. Um, I think it was a little the first at first it was like, well wait like, but I'm better than these kids right? And Teddy says this the best way. Um, he used this as an example the other day at a staff meeting. So it was me, Teddy, Andre, and Johanna sitting at at our our staff meeting, and and he's like, so let's say he's like I'm better than everyone except Brian using his example, obviously, because I think Andre is still better than Ted, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> he's like, if, if Brian's the only one better than me, but like, he's not willing to play with everyone, but I'm willing to play with everyone. He's like, I have more opportunity to play. I have more opportunity to prove. Right. 
And that's what I think I've seen in the last three weeks here is now even for our skills training that's going on Mondays, it's nine years old through 13 years old. And even the 13 year olds, like they'll go and they'll pressure the young kids and they let them try the move that we're working on today. And, and when they fall on accident, they're helping the, these kids up. Like it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the Joy the People Woodbury facility, the former, I think, Wooddale Fun Zone, is that what it used to be called? So yeah, so it's uh, turned into an indoor soccer facility. Pretty, pretty cool. So we're, we're also going to have a, our semi-pro team, the GOATs. We we have a semi-pro futsal team. We're the only Minnesota team to have it. Um, I believe it's the first year of this league. So we actually have our first home game on December 18th. And you're playing with some games here. playing this here. Yep. Nice. Home games here. So That's going to be I think it's like 10 bucks for a chair, uh, five bucks for standing room only. Don't quote me on those prices, but yeah, it's going to be really cool. I've, I've never witnessed a, a futsal pro or semi-pro futsal game live, but apparently this is the highest level futsal that we have in the country and, yeah. and we have a team. So it's going to be cool to see. Big thanks again to Brian Coleman for joining the show this week. Really, really good conversation with him about everything going on with Joy of the People. Uh, really uh, grateful for his time and, and talking about his career and everything going on like that. But now it is time to end this week's episode, Dom, with our top four. And being that it's the holiday season, we're going to give you a little, uh, uh, I guess, a holiday gift guide here with our top four. Top four soccer jerseys that you should buy the uh, the footy lover in your life or ask somebody to buy for you add it to your own christmas list now we know that lower league soccer has a ton of great kits and great teams so before we start here i'm going to preface this by saying if you have a lower league soccer if i mean obviously being in minnesota we know all the great lower league soccer teams and leagues and and stuff that we have here in the state but if you're listening from from out of state maybe uh, look up the lower league soccer team in your area and see if they have kits on sale because they're probably pretty freaking awesome. Disclaimer, because it's so low-hanging fruit, uh, we did not put any forward Madison kits in our list. So, uh, But all of their kits are great, so go check them out and, and, and maybe buy one. So no forward Madison, uh, no lower league representation in this list. Uh, because it's all great. You should go check it out. But I guess uh, I'll go ahead and start, Dom. Um, my first one on my top four list is the PSG Stadium Away Kit from last year. Now, it's a white away kit, so we're just gonna we're gonna put we're gonna throw that out there. But it's got like the black stripe and like the pink tint to it like the almost like the pink tinted stripe down the middle along with the black it's a really really cool unique i think design it's a unique take on a white away kit um so that's i mean if you're gonna buy one that's that's the one i think you should you should get um if you don't completely hate psg so that's my number one yeah that's actually a really nice I mean, if there's anything that PSG does well, and they do multiple things well, but if there's anything they do well, it's it's put out really cool merch. So, yeah, um, yeah that 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 is really impressive. Um, my first is uh, it's a it's an MLS cut, and it's a kit that I think got mixed reactions when it came out, but I liked it. Um, and it's the uh, Philadelphia Union's. I, I guess it was their away kit or their second kit this year. It's always hard to tell because MLS teams end up with like five kits with all the like special ones they make. 
but um it's uh it, it was the bolt kit is what i call it i believe on the website it's called like the the second blue kit but it essentially has like it's a light blue it has like whitish lightning bolt kind of looking wavy lines going across it as yellow uh the adidas lines and all that are yellow and uh it's 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 a little weird but it feels weird in the right way for an mls kit and it yeah. has so much more personality than a lot of other mls kits and i mm. i just really liked it i just really liked it i i think it really works and i hope that they kind of keep that general uh design direction for for the next couple of years yeah, I myself have a uh, MLS kit, which uh, which has a lot of personality in it, uh, a little later on in my list. Uh, my second in my top four, my second soccer jersey for the fan in your life or for yourself, uh, the Anguillan national team blue dolphin kit. Yes, had to shout out our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. Um, these are actually on sale right now if you go at info underscore stimulus on Twitter. Um. This is, I mean, there are three jerseys you can buy. This one is is my favorite. Um, it's blue, but it's got a little bit of a uh, a gradient to it, and then you can see dolphins in it. It's it's very very cool. Um, so that's my favorite. So go check that out if you haven't. But um, very very cool kit there. Yeah, and of course the that awesome sort of local connection is fun. And if it's good enough for Concacaf, it's good enough for you. Absolutely. That, that's my new saying. I'm not being paid to say it at all. um my uh my second is uh i guess in theory it was it it was going to be a lower league kit but now it's not really but uh, um my second is just going to be detroit city's uh home kit and you know if if you already have like five detroit city home kits you probably don't need this one but if you don't have one yet i still think it's a good time to jump in and get one if you want one um every year they find a way to make to make their color scheme interesting and and feel new, even if it's you know of, of course the, the same color scheme. And uh, you know this year they they had a couple of kits come out over over the stretch of the year, but um, of course with their sort of classic maroon burgundy color, um, they had one where the Adidas striping was was black, which was actually kind of interesting contrast. Where uh, typically it would be like golden in the past. Um, and you know they just—they're always good with with the nuances. The 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 title sponsor, the front sponsor, you know, has sort of like the city the the city skyline on it, and yeah, and all that. It just always—they always find a way to make it work, and uh, it's always really impressive. Over the years, you know, I've, I've just always kind of seen it at some point or another. You can't really avoid their kits these days, and uh, it's just always impressive. I'm excited to see what they do with uh, you know the the big jump to the USL Championship, and if they try to maybe do something special with uh with the kits but uh, anyway i you know i would suggest checking out their store in general they always have some interesting stuff there's a lot of cool things you can do with that sort of color scheme that maroon color scheme to uh as roma always seems to do some really cool stuff uh yep. with that with that color too so um definitely um i'm gonna stick with you know talking about as roma i'm gonna stick in syria here uh for my third one inter milan's 2020 2021 home kit it's blue and it's got the the black sort of zigzag diagonal lines down the down the shirt. Um, oh, I just yeah. I really dig it. It really pops. It kind of I think it really fits with with who they are as a club and their aesthetic. You know, a lot of a lot of clubs try to I think kind of kind of go the same direction and do sort of the same thing um, as each other all the time. Try to stick with you know go with trends and different things like that, but. Um, I don't know, Inter Milan seems very, very true to who they are. 
uh, with that kit. And it's just a really cool concept and a cool design. I like it a lot. For sure. Um, yeah, there are a lot. Of, I mean, I, in general, I feel like the last couple of years has been a lot of cool kits out of Italy. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like Inter has had a lot of interesting stuff come out recently, particularly a lot of times teams that have like that tradition of striping just kind of get locked in on striping and yeah. it ends up just being the same every year, even if they say it's different. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool that uh, I feel like the last couple of years, they kind of try to throw some wrenches in the in the design studio and, and keep things uh, different. So that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I'm going to keep it in Italy actually. Um, and uh, I'm going to shout out, to be honest, all their kits are really cool. I don't even, I'm not even sure which one I should really tell you to get, but maybe check their entire store. But uh, uh, Venezia, I think that's how you oh say it. Oh my gosh. They're, that's yes. how you say it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Promoted, yeah. Recently promoted from, uh, from uh, uh, Serie B uh, to the, the top flight of Italy. Um, they have a couple of Americans on there now, uh, Giancarlo uh, Busio, uh, for example, and then one or two others. Um, and uh, they're, they're a cool team. And then, you know, they, they're out of Venice, which is not a city that has a, a huge history of, of top flight uh, football, but they also just have really cool designs. And mm -hmm. all of their kits are fantastic. Even actually in the second division, they had some really cool, uh, kits but you know with that jump to Serie A they've they've I think probably really embraced the brand and really tried to push some stuff out so I would just check their entire store I don't really know which one to tell you to buy <laughs> um, yeah. but they're all really cool uh, so yeah definitely check them out yeah I mean I mean Venice has like a, a very like um, rich history and I mean that both literally and figuratively like um, <laughs> the, so this is a very very weird uh, comparison I'm making here but uh, the Venetian is my favorite casino to go to in Las oh, Vegas because because a lot of the architecture and stuff, but mm -hmm. like the Venezia the Venezia uh, branding is like right along with that. I have to imagine that branding is very you know specific to to Venice too and uh, very honest to to Venice. So um, yeah, just very very cool. I mean, I think they they sort of went viral with one of their latest kit drops uh, about you know few months ago now and you know whenever a team beats them they kind of try to like troll them on social media now uh but it, it, either way very very cool stuff I, I definitely um echo your sentiments on that dom uh my final one is my mls uh kit in this list it's the sounders jimmy hendrix kit uh it's the purple one it's uh the just an amazing design um the hype video or the announcement video for it was was awesome uh probably my favorite kit in mls right now um so yeah if you know i i don't have a super large hatred for the sounders i do know there are a lot of minnesota united fans who see a, a very very deep rooted rivalry there with seattle so i totally understand if you know if you feel that passionately that you're probably not going to get that kit um i would not let that stand in my way though personally because just just because it's an awesome kit in mls which you don't really get too often so I feel like you almost have to take advantage of it and spotlight it when it's there. So maybe we're grading on a bit of a curve here, Dom, but I still think in and of itself, it's a really cool, really cool design, really cool jersey. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, it stood out as a little unique, of course, and just in general in the league because no other team was, was following that template at all and um, obviously has sort of a, a historical reason behind it, which is which is always fun. And yeah, it it's, looks super wavy and unique and strange but uh it 
it looks cool and it actually looks pretty good being played in sometimes these like one-off faint you know kits kind of don't actually look great to watch they're more of a studio idea that that didn't, doesn't necessarily actually work when executed but this one actually looked pretty nice to watch uh, seattle play in so uh yeah definitely definitely check that out uh, especially if you're a Jimi hendrix fan i suppose um which i am uh but yeah no really cool um my last one i i just decided to go off on a, on a one-off here and and do a team that nobody that listens to this is going to know exists um but um there's a team that uh was promoted to the venezuelan first division this lat well last season they played in it this season uh called UCV. um and uh they're the most they're like one of the oldest still operating teams in the country they're they were founded in 1950 i want to say um which is very old for a venezuelan soccer team and uh they they basically just do the same look all the time but it's just it's so like old school that it it looks great in my opinion i'll send you a picture in a second jeremy so you can look at it but they they it they essentially kind of go off of um the the, the tricolor tricolor theme of, of the venezuelan flag and of course the colombian ecuadorian flag too and they should do the torso is half yellow half blue down the middle and then red sleeves and a red a red u for for the university which is what the team's named after um and it's just like it, it reminds me of like when you see photos from teams in the 50s or, or earlier even back when it was just like these classic like one or two color things and it, it wasn't really trying to do like a graphic-y look. It was just like bare bones, but in a really cool kind of minimalistic way. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. They got back into the, the first division for the first time in like 20 years this year. It was really cool to see that look back in like a, a regularly broadcasted setting. Um, and uh, I just felt like shouting them out for that. It's gonna be pretty difficult for you to get one of these for your uh, your loved ones for Christmas, but you can certainly try. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you can certainly Dom, try. I, maybe maybe we'll have to hit you up on Twitter or see if you have any. Connections. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll I'll be very busy on WhatsApp. But um, but anyways, <laughs> it's a cool look. It was really fun to see in in League of Football this season, um, next to otherwise a lot of sort of modern looking uh kits so shout out to Usebe for that dom your your roles are expanding you've gone now from uh, 10k co-host to unofficial american distributor of uh, yeah. soccer jerseys for Usebe uh, in Venezuela. yeah that's a that that's going to be a very controversial a- addition to my resume but you know <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see we'll we'll just not put this episode out and then no one will know so there you go <laughs> Perfect. You, you did this episode never existed. Y'all never heard yeah. this episode. Okay? Don't listen to it. Yeah. We're, we're destroying the evidence, which is yeah. why you're hearing it right now. Uh, but anyways, uh, Dom, uh, the role I appreciate most from you is co-host of 10,000 pitches. Thank you so much, uh, again for, uh, you know, joining me again this week and going through all this, uh, you know, news and doing stupid stuff like the top four soccer jerseys with me and, and all that stuff. I really do appreciate it, man. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week.